Welcome to the podcast, Leading and Growing Your Real Estate Business by Coach James Short. This podcast is designed to help you with strategies, insights, and ways to increase sales, build and lead high-performing teams, and ultimately grow your business. Your host, James Short himself, also shares some of his secret sources on how he helps his own clients achieve business growth quickly and easily. James has been coaching those in the real estate and property industry for close to 10 years now, and his clients keep on saying, since working with James, their results have been outstanding, giving them more money, time, and fulfillment. James is offering a free strategy call to those listening to see how he can assist you to take your business to where you want to go. Simply go to jamesshort.com.au forward slash strategy and book in a time today. Now on with the show. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Leading and Growing Your Real Estate Businesses. This is Coach James Short, and we are honored and privileged to have the man of the moment, Nick Rathel, with us. And he's going to share with us some amazing insights on how to create a book in seven hours. This guy is a legend. He's the creator of the seven-hour book. Which, which he's going to obviously explore uh, a lot more detail with, with you guys shortly. But I want you to go and check it out. Go and check out his web- website, Content Corp. So C-O-N-T-E-N-T-C-O-R-P-S dot net, Content Corp. And got some loads of information there. So uh, you'll definitely have some fun searching and browsing through his site. So let's get, uh, let's get him online and uh, let's get through and some amazing questions we've got for him. And uh, Nick, welcome. James, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I'm going to get straight into it, Nick, because I'm super excited myself about this, you know, you know, people out there always want to, they've got this book analogy in their mind. They, they want to write this book, want to write that book. But what is the seven-hour book? Tell me more. Sure, absolutely. Well, the seven-hour book is a process that uh, I've devised and my team and I used with aspiring authors to help them get their own professionally published book in just seven hours of their time. So the, the key takeaway for anybody listening is that it's seven hours of the person's time. It takes us on our side, creating the book, doing the content marketing much longer than seven hours, but they themselves, the people we're working with, are only spending a total of seven hours of their time, seven one-hour calls over Zoom or Skype. That's the idea. That's it. That's huge. I mean, that saves people so many so many hours of backing and forthing and, you know, there's sore fingers of typing away and, and brainstorming and yeah. you know, going away on retreats and hiding themselves away in a hermit for, for months on an end. So seven hours, you can actually smash out a book and, and let your team do the rest. Um, so can you really actually write a book in, in just seven hours? Well, the idea is with our process that we're taking the core essence of the book. We're sort of doing, I like to call it a book exorcism. In the, the book is kind of like a, a devil that's been haunting someone in their mind for years, and we are you know, the, uh, the exorcist coming in there and helping to pull this devil out of their head. And that's now, kind of what we're doing on our seven calls. Love it. And so, the, so the everyone's head starts to spinning and starts to spewing out some of this awful green <laughs> stuff as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, it's nothing, nothing that extreme by any means. It's obviously an analogy we're using with the exorcist. Right, I love part, it, though. I love it. And the book really does really does haunt people and that's what we try to help them to not be haunted. And you know what? I, I speak to so many business leaders, business managers, um, 
people that are experts in their field, particularly in the real estate and the property sector, and they've got a wealth of information. The IP in their minds is phenomenal. And, but it, it, that's where it lives. It lives in their minds and it's not expressed. And, and we know, you know, everyone knows the value of a book and, and what that actually can mean for their business, the credibility factor, opening up numerous doors. Um, and to go through this process, this sounds pretty cool. Um, do I have a question though. How is it, what you offer, how is it, I guess, different from like ghostwriting services, for example? Sure, that's a very valid question. We our difference is the fact that unlike ghostwriters, for example, we're not just trying to make something that sounds witty or fun or clever. Is there a time and a place for fun, clever writing that kind of makes you smile? Of course. But our angle and the way we're approaching it is what is the ROI going to be on this? You are a business owner, for example, or an executive, or someone in the C-suite. And you're putting out this book because you have a specific goal in mind. You want to, for example, embark on a speaking career or launch your own coaching practice. And we're coming at the book from that angle as opposed to just making something that sounds good. Love it. And that makes so much sense, right? Because it is more than just, you know, and we'll get into it in a minute, but it's more than just the, 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 the pages that open. It's, there's more opportunities so much. And I guess which leads me to the next question is, I mean, I know the value of it. You know the value of it. But why would, why would a business owner really want to write a book, for example? A couple of reasons for that. One of the ones that comes to mind is the fact that a book really is a business card that you don't throw away. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I personally can't remember the last time I've thrown away a book. Maybe, maybe you throw away books on your side, James, but certainly most people that we're going to come across, most of your listeners too, probably can't recall the last time they've thrown away a book. It, so just, it just doesn't happen. It's almost as though we're all psychologically wired or something from a young age, whether in school or by our families, to just treat books differently. We just, there's still paper. It's still paper like a business card. It's a few more sheets of paper, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but all the same, we don't throw it away. And so if you have that book that you can give to someone, a client or a prospective client, they're not going to be as likely to throw it away as the business card you hand them at a networking function. So that would be one reason. Another reason is the fact that for better or for worse, in many cases, the fact that you have a book in itself is enough. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about a moment ago with not wanting to have just pretty writing, flowery writing. In some cases, like I said, for better or worse, it almost doesn't matter what you put in the book to some people. Just the fact that they see, oh, you have a book. Yeah. It's it's sort of in keeping with sometimes when you're looking at advertisements, you'll see next to someone's name a big flashy logo that says number one, for example, number one realtor in Sydney or yep. number one property agent in Sydney and be like, really? And then you look closer and you see, oh, as ranked by and there'll be all this, all this uh, fine print and subtext, but it's the fact that it's out there suddenly for you to just see at a passing glance, and that registers the impression. It's the same thing with a book in some cases, just seeing that, oh, someone has that book out there. But then you look at it deeper, and you're like, oh, well, this is just a book made up of testimonials from his clients, just client stories. Or there's, there's more to it than just having that book out there. So true. So true. And I think you hit the nail on the head because... 
it provides a different level of value. Yes, it's the same material that's printed on as a business card, but the value that we hold in relations to books um, is immense compared to obviously a business card. And for me personally, uh, my books have opened up numerous doors from um, coaching opportunities, speaking arrangements, um, all because of led with the book, right? And even though maybe sales weren't where where one would think, but the on-sell and the secondary spend has just been absolutely profound. And that, as you said, the credibility factor has just been, you know, it's been incredible. Um, yeah, it's so true what you what you say. You know, the, the, I hear so many many times and I see the word best-selling, you know, out, out and about. You know, number one best-seller, blah, blah. Why is that so misleading? It's misleading because... Because of the word bestseller. So if we break apart that word, the best part, best is a value judgment, but looking primarily at the word seller, seller means that something has sold. So where has it sold? Has it sold on Amazon, for example? Well, that's going to be a different platform than on a particular paper's bestseller list. Like I'm I'm coming from the US, so I'm going to talk about US papers, New York Times list. So that is a very different place to be a bestseller than to be on Amazon. So that would be one thing. Then assuming though that we know what platform it is and you know we're considering that platform to be valid, let's talk about Amazon. So if you are a bestseller on Amazon, which category are you in? Are you a bestseller for a very big category or are you a bestseller for a niche within a niche? within a niche, within yeah, a niche, right. and so on category, like a long tail. If yeah, you are yeah. the only book in a, a category, a niche category that doesn't have any other books, then sure, you're a bestseller. Or if your book <laughs> comes out more recently than books that have been in that category for years on end, then your book's a bestseller. So the, the bottom line is that there are many different context by which a book could be a bestseller. And there are also many different ways that a book could be positioned strategically within a category to then be seen as a bestseller. Yeah. So I guess it really depends on your strategy then, wouldn't it? On what which yeah. you want to go down and then how do you promote that? Exactly. And that comes back to what we're saying about it has to be more than just the writing. And unfortunately, Many of the people, not all of the people, but many of the people on the ghostwriting side of things just don't, they're not thinking that many moves ahead in the chess game of this. Correct. And thinking about how to leverage the book once it is actually out. So there is a really a big strategy around it, isn't it? And as you said, you know, where ghost, ghostwriting services is just about the content. But what, where, what I'm hearing, it's like, okay, yeah, that's one part of the cog, <laughs> the many cogs that's going to brand you brand the book, brand your business to be that authority, be that credible person out in, into your industry. Exactly. And it, it really is the whole idea of cliched but true that if the tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Same thing with a book. If a book comes out and no one is there to receive it, does the book even come out? And I would say that technically it comes out, but not really. So you have to have that strategy in place, or at least in mind, as you're creating the book in the first place, to ensure it's going to register when it does come out. 
Love it. So true. So true. Now I'd like to get a little bit personal. What are you, some of your favorite books um, that you've, you've come across along your journey? Oh man, that is, that is a very difficult question, but I love it though, because there are so many good books out there. I mean, we can, we can start with everything from the one thing, uh, Gary Keller and Jay Papazon's excellent book. Awesome book. To, it is, isn't it? With the, the time blocking and with the yeah. focus to another book that's, I was actually just talking with Jay recently and it's, it's sort of, we're thinking it's sort of similar to the one thing. It, kind of coming at it at a right angle and helping to expand on the ideas in the one thing. The 12 week year by a Ryan, a Ryan or Brian, I believe it's Brian Moran. It's right. a, a really good book for sort of chunking out into certain lengths of time, specific mm. objectives you have. So you would take your one thing, for example, and put it into a 12 week sprint and then move on to another one and another one. So that's yeah. a really good one. And then if you want to go on the personal development side, things for the coaching clients, uh, the war of art, Stephen Pressfield's excellent book, yeah, uh, talking really about the uh, the struggles that come into play when you're trying to do a creative work or any work in general. All of the distractions that seemingly conspire to keep you from accomplishing a particular objective. Have are you familiar with that book, by the way? Yeah, I, I I've only read the summary, so I haven't got. I'm a big summary kind of person. Give me the executive summary. Um, yeah, and I've some huge huge takeaways from that. So it's yeah. It's, Amazing, amazing, just in the summary version. Yeah, cool. Um, so tell me about, so obviously when we're talking about you, you know, creating a book in seven hours, we're talking about a lot about time management, right? What's, what are some of the time management tips that you can, you can share with, with some of the listeners that you've come across with? You've mentioned one with from the one thing, but like what can you expand on to give some further time management tips? Absolutely. One of the things I can definitely do that I practice more or less religiously, is measure your time. And to that end, I'm, I've been known to carry stopwatches around, carry timers around, uh, not you know, to any awkward extent in social settings. I mean, if I'm with friends, obviously, we're going <laughs> to drop that a little bit. It's getting kind of, getting kind of weird, yeah. but uh, nothing too weird like that. But in terms of other aspects, I'm very much one to time things. And I will even for example, and I think this is probably a good tip for your listeners too. I will even, when I go into a grocery store or when I go into a shopping mall, I will time that. And I will say, I'm going to be in here for 15 minutes, or I'm going to be in here for 20 minutes. And within that time, I need to get everything at the grocery store, or I need to, if I'm going to buy shoes, running shoes, for example, in that time, I need to be in and out of the shopping mall. And I think that's important to do things like that. Because when you think about the way that a supermarket or the way that a shopping mall is designed, it is designed to keep you in there. It is designed to engage you with music, and that's no fault of their own. I mean, we're business owners, entrepreneurs on this call. We do the same thing. I mean, it's all about keeping the customers there. Exactly. But as consumers ourselves, too, going into a place like that, we need to recognize that it is designed that way, and that while we'd like to support the merchants, and we are going in there to buy something, we do still need to mentally remain cognizant of our own time and of our own responsibilities and not suddenly look at our watch and realize, you know, I've been in here for 30 minutes. I only intended to come in for five. So that having a timer or stopwatch or some some anchor to keep you focused and, and keep your own priorities in mind really is helpful. So that's a time management tip I think a lot of people can hopefully benefit from. Yeah, love it. I'll share that with my wife. I do that actually with my kids. We we take Kate, Kate take them to the mall. Um, 
my two younger ones. I said, okay, you got 30 minutes. Here's $10. I'll meet you back at the coffee shop, ready, set, go. So they've got to do their shopping, shopping in their rounds while I go and have a little coffee. Works a treat. Everyone wins. Um, but that's a great analogy, particularly when, you know, you're doing your grocery shops or you're shopping in just in general because, you know, like life, right, if we work towards a time frame, then you can have other time when you can spend more in areas that you love to do. So if it's then going to the park or going to the beach or spending with loved ones or whatever it is, is that gives you more quality time to do the things that you'd love to do rather than, I guess, the, the chores. So that's a great analogy. That's a great, great tip. Thank you for that. Another um, tip I would share, if you don't mind, yeah. is feel free when you are planning your time to give yourself designated times to slack off yeah. so that later on, when you are going hard and focusing, you can think, okay, well, it's okay to do this now because I do have times when I'm not scheduled, when this two-hour chunk right now is technically scheduled, but it's not really scheduled because I'm free during this to just relax yep. or to just randomly bumble into different activities. I've planned this out. Kind of, it's almost like it's almost like right now. I mean, I know that in some parts of the world they're having down in Brazil. I think it is the carnival. Right. So they're having the carnival right before Lent. And the idea is that they're just going to get all this craziness out of their system. Yeah. And it's the same thing with time management. So if you true. give yourself this two-hour or three-hour just scheduled appointment when you can just relax and kick loose, you can get the tendency to waste time out of your system before mm-hmm. you go into a period of focus and a period where you do need to not waste time. Love that analogy. That's a great tip. Awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, that's really good because it's almost shaking out the cobwebs before we need to get serious and get focused on, on what, what we need to get achieved. That's great. Um, I want to talk about if you were to something a little bit different, if you were to look back onto your younger self, what kind of advice would you give to, to that younger version of yourself? Do you think? Well, one thing of advice that I would probably give is be patient. Mm. recognize that things take time. Yep. That would be one. Another one would be hire sooner. Uh, Hire employees, build a team a lot sooner. Recognize with that, that superhero syndrome, as I've heard some people call it, when you're running a business, you're trying to do everything yourself, that that is completely flawed, that (laughs) you do need to scale and you need to scale sooner rather than later. Um, That, if you if you think you should be hiring people, it's probably too late, and that you need to go in from the ground initially, knowing or having a general sense of who you're going to hire. Building what I've heard some people call, good friends of mine too have called an org chart. So you build an organizational chart of as my company is growing, as I'm scaling, I need I'm going to need to have this person, I'm going to need to have that person, and so you're thinking a couple of moves ahead of who you're going to need so you can then be talking to people and getting a general sense now, recruiting in advance, pre-recruiting, if you will, for the positions you're going to need to fill later. Great. Fantastic. It's always looking at that down the, down the path, down the track, what's next, what's, what's coming up and, and, and moving into that rather than uh, I see and hear so many business owners out there, they need to recruit and then they get the first person, you know, they've got a heartbeat, right? You're in, but it doesn't yep. match their values. It doesn't match, you know, the mindset of the organization. And so therefore, 
six, 12 months down the track, they're, it, it, it's toxic within their culture. So that's so true, so true. Now, we've had a little chat about in something that you mentioned before about water. And I want to find out, you mentioned that why, you know, something about you wanted to talk about water on this podcast. So can you share a little bit of light and detail for the listeners around, around water? Yeah, well, first off, in case anyone wasn't aware, I believe it's something like three-fourths of our planet is covered in water. So that's, that's certainly a big deal. But the thing that I, I did want to talk about with water that I'm, I'm sort of strangely passionate about, I don't really know why, but it just kind of am, is the fact that water really is, I think, one of the one of the most overlooked productivity hacks in the sense that if you would just, if people would just drink more water, they would feel much more awake. They would have much more energy. They probably wouldn't need to drink as much or any coffee. It's going to do great things for your circulatory system, your body. And I'm just... I'm continually amazed by the fact that people just aren't drinking enough water, and, and so it just it just solves everything, seemingly. So <laughs> Not true. everything, but most things. And I think, like you know, the world is is so much part of water, but also our bodies, right? Like, and it's and we are we are these machines that are fueled by by water, and it, as you said, it like helps with the productivity, the circulation, concentration. And I can't agree with you more in the power of water. We, you know, set people a challenger. Like if you could drink two to three liters of water a day, watch your energy levels after the first week or two. Yes, you might be going to the bathroom a little bit more initially, <laughs> right? But as you said, like your energy starts to, to go through the roof. So as a productivity hack, oh, mate, couldn't agree with you more. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I, feel like, I feel like I have to mention it too because there is so – so much of a trend these days towards trying to find superfoods or trying to find something I've heard about. Like there was that movie, The Limitless Movie with Bradley Cooper, yeah, trying yeah. to find the real life equivalent, these things called nootropics, brain drugs. Everyone's yeah. looking for those when you, right in front you, of you. really, exactly. If you would just turn on your tap and fill up a bottle, you would have it right there. So you don't need to buy nootropics. You don't need to look for superfoods. You don't necessarily have to do yoga, although that's going to be beneficial for your flexibility, you could much easier and much sooner just pick up a cup of water. That's the point. Love it. Love it. So back on the the seven-hour book, like where can the listeners find out more? Where can you, I mean, obviously you've got your website, contentcorps.net. Where, how can they get in contact with you to, to find out more about this this awesome opportunity? Well, the website would be the best place. Go onto the website and if they are interested, and we do have a contact form that they could get in touch that way. I will say, though, that for people listening to this, think before you just reach out with contact. And the reason I say that is because we're talking about books, and books can be valuable in all the ways we've mentioned. But make sure, really make sure, that a book is indeed what you think you would need to fulfill your business objectives. Make sure that it's not the sort of thing where for example, you really just need to do Facebook or Instagram ads. Yeah. Make sure that it's not that. Or make sure that you don't, rather than a book, actually need to start a podcast. That mm-hmm. that would be more in line with your business goals. Really have a good, solid think about it to make sure that a book is what you need rather than one of those other things. 
And if in that case, it is still what you need, then I would encourage people to reach out. Love it. Nick, I'm a big believer of outsourcing. I'm a big believer of uh, business owners staying true to their genius and outsourcing every, everything else. Um, we talked about teams, you know, you know, those tips that you gave people about your organization chart and, and really projecting that. Um, I think, you know, the listeners have a real think about, you know, what is your genius and, and sticking to that. And in, in, in if there's a book in there that you can look at to help to promote your business and to promote yourself as, the, you know, the authority factor, outsource it, you know, because there's a, an expert team you know, like Nick's, ready to go, ready to help you to step into that next level. So I couldn't agree with you more. So uh, really appreciate your, your time, really appreciate your expertise and also those amazing tips. And for all those listeners, go and check it out, contactcorps.net. And uh, Nick, really, mate, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there any final comments or, or statements that you'd like to close with today? Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind right off the bat would be just the fact that for the listeners out there, you know more and you're more capable than you probably give yourself credit for. And what I mean by that is you know more in the sense that you probably know a lot more about your field and have a lot more expertise than you might think. And you're more capable in the sense that you're hearing all about me and the seven-hour book, but give it a shot yourself first. See if you can't just buckle down at a desk, maybe as James was saying, take 30 minutes or some amount of time per day and just see what you can get started on. You'll probably be amazed at how far you can truly get. Just give yourself a little bit of patience, have a little bit of faith in yourself, and who knows what you can turn out. So that was what I would leave people with. Fantastic. So there we go, guys. I'm Coach James Short. Thank you for listening and looking forward to speaking to you soon. Bye for now.